From the nation's capital to the Sunshine State. It's compelling. The high plains of Kansas and the northeast corner of the land of enchantment. It's Monday. The land of EWTN all across the Lone Star State. It's GRN Alive. Bringing you faith, fun, and facts. Live from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us on the show. Call 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to GRN Alive Monday edition. I'm your host, Joe McLean, and it is great to be on with you on a beautiful day. God is so very good. It's, uh, you know, the day before the most contentious election, maybe since 1860. Some might say ever, uh, but there's a lot to talk about today. Before we dive into the show, I have to give a very special shout out, though. I was just in West Texas uh, last week for the West Texas Fishers event. Great event. Bishop Strickland, fantastic. It was such a wonderful time to see everybody in the room. It was just a beautiful thing, and I was so grateful to be there. But... I was informed that my biggest fan ever loves to listen to the show every Monday morning, running from class just to tune us in so that she can hear praise be to Jesus Christ and say it and shout it out with us. Paige Castillo, if you're listening, happy birthday to you, and thank you for being a big fan of the GRN Alive Monday show. We are so very grateful you're a part of this family. So God bless you, Paige, and your family. Thanks for listening to GRN Alive Monday. So a special shout out to everybody who attended the Fishers of Men event in West Texas at the Country Club there in Midland. We all had a great, great time. Bishop Strickland, again, gave a wonderful talk. Uh, But today on our program, we have a great show lined up. And I know I say that every time, but I mean it this time. I really do. Project Veritas is going to be on with us at about uh, 20 after the hour. We're going to be talking about their work in uh, censorship uh, from social media platforms, how they collude together to censor certain voices that they don't like. We will also discuss their work, Project Veritas's work in voter fraud, which is on the rise in the most contentious election ever. So we'll be discussing that today. And then uh, after the bottom of the hour break, we're going to be we'll be bringing David L. Gray back onto the program. You might remember, I think it was last year, uh, we talked with David L. Gray about Freemasonry and why the church has always condemned Freemasonry. Well, David's going to come back and we're going to discuss all of the big issues that are in play for the election. So all of that is coming up on the show, plus so much more. And we've got some announcements to make about the future of the Guadalupe Radio Network all coming up. But let's start with prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Emily Alcarez. A Greek Orthodox priest was shot in Lyon, France on Saturday. The victim, Nicolas Kakalavakis, is in serious condition, and French police have yet to find the shooter. Six suspects have been detained following an Islamic terrorist attack in Nice, France. The victims included the 55-year-old sacristan and father of two, Vincent Locke, and Brazilian-born Simone Barreto Silva, a mother of three. 
On Sunday, churches throughout France held services honoring the victims of the attack. Feminist protesters in Poland attacked the home of the Archbishop of Czestochowa. Vandalism and harassment against Catholics continues following the nation's high court ruling, which banned discriminatory abortions on unborn babies who have disabilities. The Polish president, Andrzej Duda, gave in to the violent protesters, saying on Friday that he would propose a bill permitting abortion in cases of fatal fetal abnormality. The Vatican Secretary of State, Cardinal Pietro Parolin, has released a statement clarifying the comments made by Pope Francis on the legality of same-sex unions. The statement claims that the Holy Father's words were taken out of context, saying, It is evident that Pope Francis has referred to certain state provisions, certainly not to the doctrine of the Church, reaffirmed numerous times over the years. A second wave of lockdowns is sweeping over Europe. England, France, Germany, Italy, Belgium, and Greece are reinstating restrictions such as curfews, travel bans, and school closures. English bishops are speaking out against the suspension of public worship announced by Prime Minister Boris Johnson. The President of the Bishops' Conference of England and Wales wrote, Whilst we understand the many difficult decisions facing the government, we have not yet seen any evidence whatsoever that would make the banning of communal worship, with all its human costs, a productive part of combating the virus. We ask the government to produce this evidence that justifies the cessation of acts of public worship. Tomorrow is Election Day. President Trump is holding five rallies today, while Joe Biden is focusing on his home state of Pennsylvania, which is currently considered a toss-up. Businesses in Washington, D.C. are boarding up their stores in expectation of violence following the election. 93 million Americans have already voted in what is projected to be one of the largest voter turnouts in American history. Father Michael McGivney, the founder of the Knights of Columbus, was beatified on October 31st at the Cathedral of St. Joseph in Hartford, Connecticut. His feast day will be observed August 13th in the Archdiocese of Hartford. St. Winifred of Wales, pray for us. Born about the year 600 in Holywell in Wales, St. Winifred was the daughter of Trevith a member of the Welsh landed class, an advisor to the king himself. Her uncle, her mother's brother, was St. Buno of Gosluch. Spell check me on that. I'm pretty sure I've got that <laughs> completely wrong, but it's Welsh. What do you want? Uh, you know, she was a very beautiful young woman, and that uh, caused her some uh, lots of trouble and challenges in life because she felt called to become a spiritual bride of Christ. And like St. Rita and many other of our saints, uh, uh, these beautiful young women who feel called to make this, this commitment for life to our Lord, uh, their parents and sometimes family members often have different ideas about their, their vocational call. So even though she had made this promise, this vow to our Lord uh, to be his his spouse, uh, the suitors did come calling. And there was a, a, a chieftain by the name of Caradog. Yeah, I know. It's like watching a Netflix film here. Caradog came knocking and he wanted to marry young Winifred, but she was not having it because she made her promise, her solemn vow to the Lord. Well, he would not hear no as an answer. And he pursued her and she ran from him. She eventually caught, uh, was caught. She was hiding in a church and Caradog, uh, basically, um, executed her 
for her rejection of him by lopping off her head. It is said that where her head fell, uh, a sprang welled up and a pilgrimage began to uh, occur later, some years, some years later, and many healings occurred as a result of the, the healing water, the spring that uh, came up from the place where her head bounced, and leprosy and skin diseases, other ailments were all healed from these pilgrims that made their their way there. But the story is not over just quite yet, because Winifred's uncle is also a saint, Saint Buno of Goslich, and uh, he healed her. He raised her from the dead and restored her head to the, her body. So she was able to go on living. In fact, she became a nun at Dubigshire in Wales, and she would die, I think, about the year um, 655. Uh, and her relics were interred in uh, Shrewsbury in England in 1138. But in the year 1540, uh, King Henry VIII d- uh, put out an order to destroy all holy relics across his realm. And unfortunately, her relics were also destroyed by order of King Henry VIII. So, St. Winifred of Wales, pray for us. Good morning, Teresa Kamara. Good morning, Joe. <clears throat> Have you ever heard of her? I hadn't. I bet you thought I was going to go with all souls day i did i did actually or all saints day i was like he could pick from a whole mix bag since yesterday yeah, was saints God. day <laughs> uh, happy all souls day to you yes happy all souls day you know a wonderful opportunity to uh pray for the souls in purgatory in particular absolutely it's a great time to be able to look at the church triumphant church suffering and church militant yeah. and see how we're all tied together yeah. beyond the grave and so um we there's so many martyrs um across the world right now that we're praying for their families and um, we're taking inspiration from that news on what level we can and just trying to help prevent the the death toll from rising uh, but at the same time re, re uh, focusing on the courage of the martyrs and so amen you know it's it's a good time for on all souls day to continue to pray for those who who have gone before us and to get that those special indulgences that have been extended the plenary indulgences that yeah. have been extended um and that was put out by a Catholic, the Catholic news agency. Yeah, amen. And speaking of Henry VIII, oh, I, Henry I, hear, <laughs> I hear you actually I broke down movie. and watched him. Like, I finally guilted you enough to watch a film uh, over the weekend. What did you watch? So I watched St. Thomas More. <laughs> I mean, I watched A Man for All Seasons. Really? Yeah, it was, it was awesome. And it was quite the movie for our time. Um, there are so many great lines in there. <laughs> and um, one of them that really stood out to me right now was uh, his, he's having this conversation with his daughter. And um, she's saying that there's going to be an oath administered. And if they don't take this oath... Um, that the king has insisted that they that they take, then it w- they will be killed for high treason. Um, and he explains, he's like, listen, Meg, God made the angels to show him <laughs> splendor as he made animals for innocence and plants for their simplicity, but man he made to serve him wittily in the tangle of his mind. If he suffers us to come to such a case that there is no escaping, then we may stand to our tackle as best we can. And yes, Meg, then we can clamor like champions if we have the spittle for it. But if but it's God's <laughs> part, not our own, to bring ourselves to such a pass. Our natural business lies in escaping. And I thought, wow. that's interesting. Because, like, you know, like, if God brings us to it, he'll get us through it kind of thing. Yeah. But, but it's not our job to go out 
and seek it. But there are a lot of saints who did go in. Yeah. They're like, I'm going to go into missionary work because I want to yeah. give my life completely, even if that means martyrdom. But yeah. it's not for us to go out and say, like, I'm going to go be a martyr today. Boom. You know, like, uh, yeah. well, <laughs> we, I mean, we want were... their salvation. That's the point is to also want our the salvation of those who would yeah. who would take the life of a Christian. And, of course, the 16th century King Henry VIII provided many opportunities. His daughter, Elizabeth, would provide many opportunities for Catholics to become martyrs for the faith there in England in particular. St. Anne Midcampion's yeah. one of my favorites. Yeah, absolutely. I watched a film this weekend, one I had seen before, but it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. And I was hoping that this film would, would be a film I could show to my kids, uh, or my older kids, my teens. But there's a I turns out no. Uh, the Adventurer is what it's called, The Curse of the Midas Box. And oh. it's got some interesting characters. Michael Sheen's in it, Sam Neill, mm-hmm. Lena Headey, I think is her name. Um, and there's some other actors and actresses that nobody's ever heard of in the film. But it's, it's a well-produced film. It's like a... Uh, it's like the Raiders of the Lost Ark type of feel to oh, it, okay. uh, you know. But there's only one scene. I have where seen that. There's like there's like tarot cards. I'm like, oh, you oh. ruined the whole thing with this. So otherwise uh, entertaining, but not as as didn't have the gravitas as a Man for All Seasons, for sure. Yeah. Speaking there's of gravitas, to I want to introduce Emily Alcarez. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, new addition to the team. And uh, Emily is going to be a part of a, a new effort that's going to be produced uh, in about a month from now or so here across the Guadalupe Radio Network and beyond. So uh, it's good to have you on. Your first crack at news. How do you feel you did? I think it went pretty well. Yeah, pretty it was all right. You did a fabulous job pronouncing <laughs> Thank you. names. You I, survived I, it. I'm always in trouble with that. So whenever he stumbled over a name, I just had to laugh because it was like, that's my, that's my problem. Well, when I started yeah. in radio in 1997, I had to read the sports and the news and uh, all these uh, Canadian hockey players. Uh-huh. It was all consonants, no vowels, and I would obliterate their poor names. Uh-huh. And back then, I would stress about it. My wife reminds me today how bad I was at that. Uh, but now, I just like water off a duck's back. You know, <laughs> like these, these Welsh names. I did my best. And that's all we can hope for. So, well done, Emily. Thanks for uh, for being a part of the team today. Thank you. Uh, well, there'll be more uh, coming up. We'll be sharing more as, uh, as uh, we move on about uh, this new effort, this new initiative. But I wanted to say, speaking of new, before we jump into the pro-life news... Uh, there is a brand new version of the mobile app available now. And it's a big improvement, and there's actually more improvements still to come with it. I'm super excited. It is available. I'm told both in iOS and Android. I could be wrong about the Android part. If so, let me know. But go to your uh, your app store. Look for the Guadalupe Radio Network. You can listen to your local station. You can listen to podcasts. You can get contact information, what's playing across the network. It's really great, super simple and easy to use. Check it out. Search for the Guadalupe Radio Network. What's in the headline news? Oh, my goodness. There's so much going on right now. Um, right now, first off, I'd like to highlight the fact that EWTN had in their Pro-Life Weekly um, news, the with Catherine Hager, she interviewed Archbishop Joseph Nauman, the chairman of the U.S. I'm sorry, the chairman of the U.S. Bishop Pro-Life Committee. And um, he very, very well articulated the three points uh, that abortion, why abortion is the preeminent and most important issue when it comes to voting. First off, um, that life is, that life is the most vulnerable because it can't get away. Um, the unborn's life is the most vulnerable. Second off, because um, abortion hurts the family, it, it, that 
that harm takes place within the family and it scars the mother and the father. And third, because of how prevalent it is, how, how often it happens. Um, there were 800,000, over 800,000 American wow. children who were aborted in one year. And so he said, these are the reasons why this remains the most preeminent issue when it comes to voting. Um, Cardinal DiNardo also put an, an article in the Texas Herald, the Texas Catholic Herald, and um, reiterated the same three points. And then also Bishop Daniel E. Thomas came out with a YouTube and uh, focused on those three points once again. So these, these bishops are coming out mm. in a united uh, message to us that has been posted on the USCCB's website. Um, so, and then also, I know you had posted something through, um, I believe, GRN Alive, mm -hmm. um, showing that there were at least 24 bishops. Yeah, I've um, got a list, yeah. Of these different, you know, people who have, different bishops who have come out and said, as you're voting, you know, we need to have a form conscience and we need to remember that the unborn. Um, as far as the, um, also, I heard it. In, I'd heard that various pastors were speaking on this topic of abortion um, about three weeks ago. So I know of, of that happening, at least in this diocese. Mm. Um, and then also, so this past weekend, so yesterday, was Life Chain. And so thank you to everyone who participated in that, where people are standing along um, you know, very busy roads and just saying, remember to vote pro-life, um, pray to end abortion. And then um, this is, yesterday was also the last day of Four Days for Life internationally. There were 473 babies whose lives were recorded as saved wow. so far. Um, and there could potentially be more numbers, you know, rolling in as far as, as, as the news continues, as the numbers continue to um, be counted and um, and people were reporting back in from all over the world. As far as um, recently, the there's a new memorial statue that has been put up in the Diocese of Madison, um, the Memorial for the Unborn Children Number Two, uh, which is absolutely beautiful and um, shows the pain of the father and the mother mm. as um, as they are looking at their unborn child or grieving over their unborn child who was aborted. And so it is an absolutely moving sculpture. I highly recommend people look at that. It's, it's at the Resurrection Cemetery in the Diocese of Madison, and that is the fourth one around the world to be placed wow. um, as a place of grieving for, for post-abortive mothers and fathers. Also, um, with Amy Coney Barrett now being a justice, of the United States, mm. um, which was big news. Um, was it? That, that was like two weeks <laughs> and ago. And I did watch. No. A week, was it a week ago? No, wasn't it this past Tuesday? Oh, that was like so last <laughs> Tuesday. I mean, so much has happened since. And and so this Friday, we were super excited um, in pro-life, in the pro-life world, um, looking at how she would potentially be uh, voting on whether to even rule on or even for the Supreme Court to even look at a Mississippi law which would address whether or not states could prevent could could prevent an abortion from happening mm. before viability. Um, that has been one of the situations that a lot of states have been struggling with as, as far as the legislature will pass a law that says, oh, well, we only want to have an abortion 
up through six weeks or we want to stop abortions after eight weeks or, you know, like we know that there is pain, you know, at a certain this point or whatever. And so they will they will choose that that time frame uh, to stop abortion, which we know all abortion harms women and all abortion kills a child at every stage. But so as these states are trying to chip away incrementally at this issue, um, it will be overturned at the Supreme Court because of Planned Parenthood v. Casey. So this particular case would potentially overturn that's oh, like that was fast yeah i mean within a week <laughs> raise your well, right hand we have an abortion case well and the thing is it was rescheduled i don't know why it was rescheduled yeah. but i know that the um cbs news has listed 17 cases that are wow. potentially going to be seen by the u.s supreme court in the coming months so there's plenty of material to work with also quick mention uh, in colorado there is proposition 115 um, that has to do with a 22-week abortion ban initiative in colorado it is legal to abort all the way through the pregnancy they're one of seven states that can that can have an abortion all the way through mm-hmm. um but this would put it at viability, so it wouldn't be challenged by Planned Parenthood v. Casey, um, unlike these other these other states. So, if wow. it, you have the ability as a state, in, you know, as um, in Colorado, to be able to vote for the unborn directly on your ballot. That's incredible. Uh, 21 after, and uh, here in just a minute or two, we're going to be speaking with uh, Neil McCabe Mm -hmm. from Project Veritas. They're an organization that have uh, done incredible work in undercover investigations against uh, all kinds of subjects. Uh, The two that I want to talk to them about today are going to be the social media censorship, the collusion, working together to censor certain voices across the board. Uh, That's one. And then the voter fraud, which is taking a, a bigger sort of center focus in this most contentious race ever, right? Mm-hmm. So that's going to be on our, our, our discussion for Neil McCabe here in just a minute. Uh, later, we're going to be speaking with David L. Gray. He was on last year with us. We're bringing him back. We're going to talk about all the big issues that are at play for this election, but from a Catholic perspective. So that's going to be on the program today, and we're looking forward to that. In fact, I think Neil is with us now, uh, joining us by via Zoom chat from uh, a secret bunker that Project Veritas <laughs> maintains. I don't even know where they're based out of, but uh, Neil, good morning. Good morning to Project Veritas. Thanks for being on with us. I'm really glad to be with you, Joe. Uh, yeah, I'm from this undisclosed location. Um, this is a big thrill for me uh, because I did write for the pilot, which is Boston's Catholic paper for about eight years. Sure. I was the photographer for uh, Cardinal O'Malley's blog, and uh, I really miss those days in Catholic journalism. When were you there? When, when did you leave the pilot? What year was that? So I was there uh, 2003. Oh, sure. And and then I uh, I wrapped up probably my last article for them was in uh, sometime in 2010. I, I deployed to Iraq as a combat historian in 2009. Wow. No kidding. And uh, I ended up extending. After 15 months in Iraq, I went to Fort Bragg. And then uh, did public affairs there. And then I got a job in Washington, and it just sort of... It went all downhill from there. <laughs> it, well, it went all downhill from there. But uh, Well, the thank you. Thank you for your service. The finest newspapers yes. in the country. 
and uh, I miss it every day. I was uh, I, I was living in New Hampshire at the time of the uh, 2001 priest sex abuse scandal breaking. I had was a pretty fresh uh, right off the boat Catholic, and uh, that was yeah. a shocker. That was a shocker to me uh, at, back in those days. So at any rate, that's not what we're here to talk about today. I want to talk about well, the work of Project Veritas. Yeah. Um, you know, somebody I've obviously followed for a while now, James O'Keefe and his work. He's I think he started out in the early days uh, going undercover into Planned Parenthood's mm-hmm. addressed as a pimp, nonetheless, uh, which I thought was entertaining. It was acorn. It was acorn. acorn. Yeah, busting acorn. Um, but the two stories I really want to discuss in our time today, Neil, are first the censorship issue with social media platforms. We've seen the Senate hearings with the CEOs, and it feels like more of the same. Is anything going to ever get resolved? Because according to what I saw through Project Veritas videos, it, it looks very clear, and you can correct me, but it looks clear that the social platforms collude together to censor voices they don't like. What say you, Neil McKay, Project Veritas? Yeah, what uh, Project Veritas and the Project Veritas Action Fund, uh, you know, our journalists have been looking at the social media platforms, uh, not just going undercover uh, with hidden cameras, but also insiders have come forward. Insiders from Pinterest who uh, exposed how Pinterest was suppressing speech of uh, pro-life groups. Uh, we talked to... Uh, uh, Zach Voorhees, who is a was a Google engineer, and, and you know he came forward to expose how they were f- using their search engine results and formulas to suppress conservative speech. Mm. You know these insiders when they come forward, Joe, they talk about a choiceless choice, and uh, they a lot of them, you know, they lose their careers, they they lose their friends, their whole social network. A lot of them pay a, a real price. Uh, when they come forward to expose these things. But I, I think that it's that choiceless choice that a lot of your listeners are familiar with. It's that uh, it's that call in the dark saying, hey, when are you going to do something that's correct? Now, we had two insiders at Facebook working as content moderators for at least four months each with hidden cameras and taking snapshots of uh, Facebook policies that were popping up on their computer. And for four months, they were documenting Mm. how these content moderators are motivated. They're passionate about shutting down free speech on Facebook. One of them said, every time I see a Republican post, I delete it and label it as terrorism. Wow. No matter what it says. Every time. Yeah. Uh, What they tend to do, and specifically Facebook, is they say, hey, Mark Zuckerberg told Congress both a House committee and a Senate committee, Facebook does not uh, suppress or censor political speech. In effect, what they do, according to our investigation and our insiders, is they call political speech on the right hate, and they call hate speech on the left political. Yeah. And this is sort of their dodge. Now, there are times when Zuckerberg was asked a direct question. Let me just back up. Zuckerberg gets very good media training, as you would expect, one of the richest men in the world. And so when he's asked a question on uh, on Capitol Hill, he will rephrase the question, right? He'll say, what I think you're asking me, Senator, is this. <laughs> He'll rephrase the question into his construct, and then he answers his own question, yeah. which means... Yeah. Which means he can't be guilty of perjury or anything like that. Right. But there are times when he screwed up 
and he just answered the question straight on mm-hmm. with the straight on lie and said, we do not censor ads. We do not censor posts, which is absolutely false. They do it all the time. And that's why Florida Republican go- uh, Congressman Matt Gates sent a criminal referral to the Justice Department asking the Justice Department to investigate for perjury. Now, the, the, the crux of your question is, will anything get done? And the answer, of course, is no, mm. not yet, but we'll see. I mean, but that doesn't mean you stop fighting. It doesn't mean you stop documenting what's sure. going on. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, the problem is that, you know, the, the social media platforms have a lot of power. And because so much of our life is online, mm-hmm. uh, there's a Republican running for Congress in Florida, Laura Loomer, and she has been completely deplatformed. She can't, she, she lost her Lyft, Uber accounts, wow. bank accounts, forget Twitter, Facebook, right? That, that stuff went right away. Yeah. She literally cannot function online because they deplatformed her for her views. And her reviews, one way or the other, you know, that's one thing. But she is a citizen, right? She is right. Like, it's like, not in like not in jail. She's not yeah. a criminal. We had a guest, uh, Stephen Moser, on in uh, last year, and he was discussing the policies in China, how they use social media and and apps in China in order to uh, to create this utopia dystopian uh, situation where they can control people's lives they can't go into certain stores they can't take train rides or bus rides I mean just everyday normal activities they're forbidden because they aren't considered good citizens based on their social use or or how they interact on that uh, that that app that's required so it's it's an insane thing that we're seeing uh, developing in our country but um, project Veritas has all the videos up I encourage our listeners to go check those out but I want to I want to switch topics uh, with sure. what time we have left to talk about voter fraud. Um, uh, you know, uh, on the uh, the social media side, it seems like there's bipartisan support for the social platforms. Uh, Republicans and Democrats not willing to to really make a change for the better. There uh, on the voter fraud side, there also seems to be some bipartisan abuse of uh, of the uh, laws re- that regulate voting in this country. Can you give us some? Um, a briefing on what you've discovered so far well you know every two years project veritas and project veritas action fund we we make a special focus on election and voter fraud we had an investigation in minneapolis specifically ward six which is the heart and soul of the somali american community there and we documented ballot harvesting illegal ballot harvesting ballot harvesting might be legal in other places, but in Minnesota, you're only allowed to have three ballots that don't belong to you. And we we captured a video that somebody posted on their Snapchat where he said he had 300 ballots in his car as he was driving around working for his brother who was running for city council. Mm. That, that's a hundred times the legal limit. Now the guy <laughs> gave an interview to a TV station and he said, no, there were only 20. Well, the loss is three. And so, you know, we document it. The guy says 20 to a TV state, a very sympathetic profile because mean Project Veritas was picking on him. But, you know, nobody gets arrested. Uh, down in Texas, we documented a woman named uh, Raquel Rodriguez who goes around. They call it ballot chasing mm. in Bear County, 
Texas, spelled B E X A R. Sure, Bear County, I grew up there. And you know, she she chases the ballots. She has an insider uh, who she uh, named as uh, Joanne Ramon, who basically has a connection. So she gets a list of all of the mail-in ballots that have been sent out. And then Raquel goes door to door collecting them. Mm. And then we had Raquel on camera review a hidden camera, review a ballot. And the woman voted a straight Democratic ticket, except she did vote for Senator John Cornyn. And Raquel Rodriguez coaxed her, coerced her uh, into changing her vote from Cornyn uh, to MJ Haggard, who's the Democrat running, and afterwards gave her a gift of a shawl. Mm. And in another hidden camera interview, she said, yeah, I give out gifts all the time. I give out rosaries. I give out diabetic socks and I give out wallets. She also talked about the beer parties that she throws for uh, ex-inmates. And so she gets a bunch of ex-inmates together. They all fill out their ballots the way they're told to. And they get a beer party at a restaurant that she funds. None of this is legal, by the way, Joe. Well, right. and she even admitted, because I got a chance to watch some of the videos um, yesterday, and she even said, yeah. this is illegal, and I could go to jail for this. And I thought, oh, she just <laughs> said that on camera, so she's was aware of it. Yeah, yeah and yeah. and that, that really floored me, because you also, in that in that set of interviews, um, interviewed another lady who was chasing the ballot, and she didn't know, and I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but she said that she had chased 100,000 of these particular... Wow. Uh, and so yeah, that's then that's... Joanne Ramon. Okay. She's sort yeah. of, uh, I guess you, a female would be called a queen pin of a ballot racket. Very interesting. But wow. it, it's a ballot racketeering uh, operation. And a, so Raquel said she's responsible thus far for 7,000 votes. And this was recorded maybe two weeks ago. 7,000. Imagine, imagine if 10 people in Texas, now, now you're talking 70,000. Well, 70,000 votes. And in in, who knows? That could swing Texas. Yeah, for I, sure. I, you know. Well, we're just about out of time. I want to give you about a minute, minute and a half to uh, to give you an opportunity to maybe answer some of your your detractors, your critics. I think some of the the most common, one of the most common uh, criticisms I've heard of Project Veritas is. Um, you highly edit the videos in order to make it look like a certain outcome. The same criticism of the Pope making civil union uh, comments uh, out of that documentary. People said the same thing about that. Uh, but uh, but for Project Veritas, I hear that a lot. Oh, Project Veritas, fake news. They highly edit their videos. What say you, Neil Okay, real quick, before you do that, I would like to point out for the listeners that if you watch these videos, you'll notice that she's not just doing some sort of good deed where she gives them a shawl because she's nice and she takes their stuff to the ballot to the to the mailing poll place because you know oh you know I can take it to the post office for you to make it convenient no she's getting paid by yeah. individuals who are hiring her she knows she's working for them she's getting paid five dollars to eight dollars a vote so I think that's All right, an important let's let Neil yeah, answer go ahead. Neil you got about sixty seconds okay so uh, if people have a if people want to reach us they should email veritas tips at protonmail.com. And as for the charge about deceptively edited or deceptive videos, everyone in television and radio, if they have any kind of produced product or package, it is edited. If you sit down with the president for 20 minutes and it's edited down to three minutes, what happened to the other 17 minutes? It's edited. Now, we get accused of deceptive edits all the time. Name one. 
they, it's, I, I talk to professors, I talk to reporters all the time, and they always say, well, someone else said it. I said, well, you have an obligation to know what you're talking about. You can't just rely on someone else's imagination. Hmm. And so James O'Keefe has offered a $10,000 reward to anyone who wow. can show a deceptive edit going back to the founding of Project Veritas in 2011. <laughs> and so so go for it. If you have one, show it. Ten but grand's I on think, the line. I think people have an obligation to at least know something Amen. before they disparage the professionals who are working here who are doing good things. Amen. People come to Project Veritas to do good things, to protect democracy, to be that voice in the media that isn't bound to corporate or Amen. political interests. We well, go after Republicans. We go after Democrats. Have, I have to we, cut you off, Neil, because we're at, we're going to a break. Projectveritas.com is the website. Highly encourage everybody to check out these videos. See it for yourself. See it for yourself. You don't have to love them, but are they telling the truth? That's the only question <laughs> and, and of the, the day. The answer is yes. Projectveritas.com. Right <laughs> Neil McKay, we'll have you back. Thank you very much. All right, we're going to go to a break. We're going to come back with David L. Gray, and we're going to discuss all the issues, the big issues at play in 2020 in the most contentious election ever for You're the glory of God. We'll be right back. GRN Alive. Now is a great time to call 877-757-9424. For victory in life, we've got to keep focused on the goal, and the goal is heaven. The key to winning is choosing to do God's will and love others with all you've got. Sacrifice, discipline, and prayer are essential. We gain strength through God's Word, and we receive grace from the sacraments. And when we fumble due to sin, and it's going to happen, confession puts us back on the field. So if you haven't been going to Mass Weekly, get back in the game. We're saving your seat on the starting bench this Sunday. Welcome home. Hello from the studios of Guadalupe Radio Network. My name is Janelle and I'm a student at the University of St. Thomas. Can you believe Guadalupe Radio Network is 20 years old? That's older than me. GRN has been able to grow and flourish for so many years thanks to the grace of God, the intercession of Our Lady, and thanks to volunteers and listeners like you. So GRN can continue to grow and change lives. Please visit grnonline.com to see how you can help. Once again, that's grnonline.com. Did you know that there are several ways for you to stay connected to the Guadalupe Radio Network? Visit our website at grnonline.com or hang out with us at facebook.com forward slash grnonline. You can even tweet us. Just search for at grnonline. And don't forget, you can connect to our email list with your smartphone. Just text the letters GRN to the number Four twenty-eight twenty-eight. Get connected and be blessed. When you donate a car to the Guadalupe Radio Network, you're not only supporting your local Catholic radio station, you're also getting a great tax deduction. So if you have a vehicle that you don't want anymore, consider making a tax-deductible donation to the Guadalupe Radio Network by calling 1-866-628-CARS or go to grnonline.com and click on Donate. From the folks at the GRN, Thank you, and may God abundantly bless you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to GRN Alive Monday edition. I'm Joe McLean. It's great to be on with you. By the way, I feel an obligation. Because of my service to the public, I feel obligated to inform you that Sean Connery was not the first James Bond. 
if I see one more article posted to social media from mainstream media that says he was the first James Bond, it is fake news. It is not true. I don't care what Wikipedia says. It is not, in fact, true. Do you know who was the first James Bond? I'll pose that question to our guest. Drumroll, please. David L. Gray <laughs> rejoining the show today. Good morning, David. Hey, good morning. How's it going? But, <laughs> you didn't know you were going to be asked that question. I could see the look in your eyes. Yeah, I, I, I did not. I'm thinking about it. I don't think I could come up with um, I don't know. Was it Will Smith? <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me to see Will Smith uh, play James Bond someday if he could master the accent anyway. No, it was a man by the name of Barry Nelson. 1954 Casino Royale was the very first James Bond, and uh, it was not, in fact, Sean Connery. But, um, yeah, and Barry, it was the only time he played the character and the only time he acted professionally, I think, in a movie. Uh, that was wow. it, that one time. So, praise God. David L. Gray, welcome back to the show. The last time we had you on, I think it was last year, we talked about yeah. Freemasonry. Uh, you Freemason. and I both used to belong to uh, the Lodge, and uh, we talked about why the church teaches what it teaches about Freemasonry and why Catholics can't be Freemasons, which was a fun conversation. But today, I want to catch up with you a little bit and talk about all the big issues that are at play in 2020, especially as it pertains to the election. How has your life been uh, so far? I mean, you, your channel's been growing. You've, I've seen your audience grow, and it's been exciting to be a part of that. Yes. Um, and thanks for having me on the show. I think it actually is earlier this year, because I think the book was released this year, so you had me on earlier this year. So, And that was a good, yeah, that was a really good talk. And um, so, yeah, a lot of people have been excited about and really interested in what's going on with this election. So I think, think that's one thing that a lot of people have been tuning in about things I've been talking about on um, my YouTube channel. Mm. And, um, and so in, in particular, Catholics, because this is a, a crucial election, I think, for Catholics, just because if if it turns out to be the case that Joe Biden, who professes to be a faithful Catholic, if he is elected as the president of this country, which is de facto, you know, one of the, uh, you know, leader of the, of the world, for him to be outside of the Catholic Church on some of our fundamental beliefs, I think that creates a scandal. And yeah. which surprises me why more more bishops aren't really opposing his presidency, his you know his his um his, his election because I think that that creates a really uh, yeah a monumental breaking point and what it means to be a Catholic in this country. I think the bishops should really be more outraged at this person. Well, I have a list of about twenty six names, and uh, you know I could read them. They're the the the, the ones you would expect. Raymond Burke, for instance, Cardinal Raymond Burke, uh, right. Most Reverend Joseph Nauman is on there. How about Most yeah. Re- Reverend James John? Johnston, Bishop of Kansas City, he's on there. Uh, Aquila out in uh, Denver, he is he's on there, and he gave a, a great impassioned homily about why you cannot vote for a Catholic who supports abortion or euthanasia. Um, how about uh, Zubik he, from Pittsburgh? He's on there. Um, I don't even know how to say this. Schlert, Bishop of Allentown, Pennsylvania. I hope I got that right. He is on there. And there's a whole bunch. But Cardinal DiNardo, I was very pleased to see. Mm -hmm. He put out an article in the Dawson newspaper over the end of last week. Catholic Herald. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. making it very clear that no matter what anybody says, abortion is the preeminent issue of our day, and you cannot vote for a politician who supports the evil of abortion. And uh, which I think brings up one of the big arguments. And somebody on Facebook said, yeah, it's great. You've got a list of 26 bishops. Where's the other 400, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And recently, um, Bishop Danny Thomas, I don't know if he's on your list. He's out of Toledo. He put out a really good video yeah. um, this past weekend. And I think his video is consistent with a lot of videos that we see coming out from. That the was Bishop's a great video. And God, and, and God bless them for speaking out. Right. Yeah. But one of the things that's awesome, oftentimes missing, very few uh, mention, say the name Joe Biden. Right. Whatever reason that's for. Rather, you know, it's because, you know, there might be some fear there because of um, tax reasons or whatever, whatever the reason. Um, I, I think is is outside of, of um, we, we've seen times in history, in the history of our church, and particularly um, mm. in, in Italy, when we've seen that there are going to be politicians that were going to be strongly against the Catholic Church in regards to communism. Catholic bishops, um, I think even a, even a Pope um, Pius IX at one time said, called the bishops by their name or called at least a party by their name. Mm. And so I think that's one thing that's missing, just saying it is Joe Biden. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, Bishop Thomas putting out that video. That video was very well done. Uh, a very yeah. clear explanation. He's not given to sort of a, a bombastic or a sort of a, an impassioned uh, yeah. approach to why Catholics should think one way or the other. But instead, he was very clear and uh, explanatory of why the church teaches what it does and why we have to refuse this idea of the seamless garment. And maybe we can address that. David L. Gray. Yeah, it's been, it's been something popular, something I talked about um, a couple of times recently in regards to um, Sister Simone Campbell, her version of the seamless garment. Um, um, Gloria Purvis also had a version of the seamless garment. You know, I respond to both of those. And so what they want us to believe, and of course this started with um, 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 Joseph Cardinal Bernardine back in um, Chicago, back in the early 80s. He was one of the most famous for putting us out in the Catholic context. And he was arguing back then about a nuclear war. Mm. And he was saying that um, nuclear war um, and nuclear armament is just as evil as abortion, okay? And, and so that, that's how the seamless garment goes, this consistency of life mm. ethic. And that they want uh, us to believe that all evil is essentially the same. But I, I like to point out the fact that back in 1862, there was a gentleman running for president by the name of Abraham Lincoln, yeah. who wasn't promising to abolish slavery, but he's promising to stop the expansion of it out west. Mm -hmm. And and thank God we had enough people back then who went to the polls that day to to realize that well, there are a lot of evils going on right in yeah. society, but the most preeminent evil at this time is the bondage of people, right? So it's okay to go to the polls and be a single issue voter or something that's so evil that we have to stop it, right? Yeah. And so what the, what the seamless government wants us to convince us is that, well, you don't have to be single issue voters. You can take into the ballot booth. You can take a whole laundry list of issues with you, but that's not, that's not the Catholic idea, that there are preeminent, preeminent issues that it's okay to go, as we should, not just okay, that we should go to the ballot booth with the single issue in mind to stop it. And I think, and obviously abortion is that issue of today. Yeah, you know, there's proportionality, and I think this is the point the bishop makes in his video. I've linked to it, by the way, on our Facebook video feed at uh, facebook.com forward slash GRN online. You can find it linked up there. It's a great video. You should watch it. Um, yeah. He talks about the proportionality. He uses this metaphor, this analogy of of a person robbing a store and they break in. Well, that's one level of bad. And then they, then they start to hurt people. Well, that obviously takes things up a notch. You know, if you rob somebody, 
um, and then you rob somebody with a gun, the charges are different. There's more gravitas in the charges that they will use against you to convict you. So there's, it's, it's rational. It's logical. Yeah. It's common sense. You know, yeah. if I, if I have a flat tire in my car, I don't go buy a new car. I just fix the tire, right? It, so, in other words, we know that not all things are absolutely equal, and the bishop makes that very clear. There are, there are lots of serious concerns and issues in the world, immigration, uh, penal code reform. I would love to see that. Uh, whether or not the death penalty is something the state should participate in, that's debatable. We can have that conversation, but that is not, that's not going to rise to the level of the Holocaust of abortion. I've even heard a priest, a famous priest who runs many radio stations, in fact, uh, try to make the argument that it was okay to ignore the abortion issue because one of the candidates might someday use a nuclear weapon. And he thought that that, that sort of nullified the right, argument right. and that therefore they were both on equal planes. Um, what would you say to somebody like that, David? So, so the future argument, right? Right. The argument that, you know, that we have this crystal ball, right? And we can sort of imagine the future, right? So let's, 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 let's make, let's determine our present actions based upon what may happen in the future in this crystal yeah. ball. It, it's ridiculous when right now, right today, there's going to be thousands of babies mm-hmm. aborted today on Monday. That's a right now issue. So we have to act against this versus this crystal ball thing that may or may not happen. Who knows? It's ridiculous. Yeah. Are there any issues that have come up in the election cycle 2020 that surprised you that you just didn't see coming? I, I, I did not see um, um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passing away. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, right. a, that's a good right. point. I don't mean to <laughs> laugh at the poor woman's passing. I didn't have a crystal ball for that's that. That's not what I'm laughing about. But, yeah, you're right. You know, <laughs> the, it's the like... The level of tension there the, and, the, and the solution. I didn't expect Amy Coney Barrett to be made a justice to be perfectly yeah. honest i'm super excited oh. about it but i did not no. see that coming I, I, do, you, do you remember yeah. back in the uh the lockdowns wait see like you were you said you were on earlier this year to me it feels like forever ago at this point because then this year take forever yeah so far <laughs> um but back in like march you know we were locked february march we we're locking down or whatever i didn't see the riots coming i didn't mm-hmm. see the chaos in the streets i didn't there's a lot i just did not see coming and it's like it just every week and now a new shoe drops almost daily um yeah. so i'm very surprised yeah. by all that and um and i didn't see vegano's letter coming out about the deep state i mean i when he when he said that i thought oh this is like this sounds i mean like honestly when i heard the when i heard that word or the or the the reset i thought oh this is going to yeah. be like a conspiracy theory thing but they're calling it that on their on this economic forums website oh you can watch video of, the, of the german totally gentleman with his me. thick german accent talking about the reset <laughs> personally they're not hiding it anymore wow yeah. i mean yeah. like the fact yeah. that they're so out in front and the and then the whole like how everything is so set up for that potentially to actually um you know, how much damage could they possibly cause between the media following along, being willing to not necessarily investigate facts, unlike Project Veritas, but actually have a narrative that they're trying to spin, and then having where the Chinese are already tracking people based on their DNA. They know where their families are. They're already going after it. We, we have tons of information mm-hmm. about that. And yeah. then they can just disappear whenever they want to because we don't yeah. have tracking systems that are going to do that. They're going to handle yeah. that. And then and then you've now you've got this situation... It's it's <laughs> well okay we have about uh, five minutes left in the radio side of our show 
And then we're going to stay over for the after show. We'll still continue our conversation. Our host is, uh, our guest rather this hour is David L. Gray. David L. Gray dot info, I believe is your website. Uh, yes, what, what do you think of the deep state or the deep church and uh, Vigano's comments in particular? He's now written two open letters to the president. The first we know got read because the, the, the president retweeted it. What do you think about this latest letter, open letter to um, President Trump from Vigano? Yeah, God bless um, Vigano. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people, everyone is, well, I don't say everyone, a lot of people is aware, obviously, um, that there are some actors um, that are, wants to move the world into the direction of this this one world order, this this reset, this reformulation of this idea. But that, this has been going on for a long time. I mean, it's, it's been a movement that we could trace back for, for centuries, and it's just a gradual, gradual thing. And it looks like now that, it, you know, appears to be that this snowball is just starting to move faster. But, um, you know, it's something we have to pray about and push back against because it's definitely contrary and antithetical to, you know, what we believe as Catholics. What, well, go ahead, Teresa. Well, I was just thinking, I wonder if that's part of the reason why, even though, I mean, the bishops are not specifically naming Biden everybody knows that it's biden like every anybody that's looking at the news at all knows that that it so that way because if if you limit it to a specific name someone could say well they didn't name so and so they must be fine they didn't name so and so they must be fine but if they say look this abortion of the abortion issue is wrong it's always wrong and catholics are causing great Mm -hmm. scandal by saying that they are publicly catholic that they quote unquote are practicing and yet they are obviously working against pro-life you know, legislation, they're working against the teachings of the Catholic Church. And so with that, it labels all of them. And Mm. so it puts up a warning flag without having to identify, oh, well, the bishops didn't name, you know, this candidate or that candidate. And also it applies worldwide to this, you know, how is the global great reset that's actually being named and that's that's announcing itself. How are they addressing this issue? So they don't even have to be named. You're right. Like, yeah. the person doesn't have to be identified. And then the bishops, who do have a huge swing, they are princes of the church. They don't, they don't get, oh, well, I need this bishop to, to endorse my candidate or to at least oppose my, my opponent so that way I can get in. Because that mm. can get into a whole huge mess yeah. as far as other voter issues. Mm. So I wonder if that's part of it. But, um, Three, but what, what would you say about that? We have three minutes on the clock. David O'Gray. I, I say, I, I mean, I appreciate that point. In, in, you know, addressing a broader issue, I think that that's important. You know, not just focus on one person or one thing, but also at the same time, I think it's important to name things. Um, you know, like you know, we name sins as they are. We don't say, "Oh, you're having an issue with um, 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 self love." No, we have to call it masturbation, right? <laughs> you know? yes. and so we have to call things what they are. And so people be very clear. I think Clarity there's, there's is some, charity. There, there's some wiggle room here, right? Well, he's, he didn't say Biden, so maybe they're kind of, maybe, you know, there, there's, you know, there's, there's but really both sides. The other issue, I thought, like the third rail, right, that nobody, the, we have this list of these bishops that are speaking out, and they are trying to provide clarity, and some of them more clear than others, let's just say. 
Uh, But it seems like, okay, they'll talk about abortion, they'll talk about euthanasia, they'll talk about those things. But when it comes to, like, uh, same-sex, quote, marriage, they they avoid that like the plague. But that's one of the non-negotiables that uh, Pope Pope Benedict XVI spoke of before he resigned. You know, so the Church teaches very clearly that when it's an intrinsically evil, always evil, never good, there's never a case where it's fine or okay, uh, these right. are what we call the non-negotiables, and it seems like right. some of these bishops will avoid that, like the plague. They don't. They don't want to touch that third rail. So, but we have about two minutes to go um, before we say goodbye to our radio audience, and we continue the conversation on the after show. The other thing I wanted to ask you about is, I, I was surprised at the issue of racism coming up, but that just might be because you know I'm 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 a Caucasian fellow, and I just don't see the world that way. What do you think? Oh, you'll hear about the whole racism issue again in 2022. You'll hear it again about 2024. <laughs> um, are you I saying mean, there's it, a calendar, a there's a schedule? Yes, people ought to vote. I mean, but there are some things. Obviously, there you know there's inequities in society. Anytime you have a, a, um, um, the non-minority group anywhere in the world, and so there are issues there. But as far as how people could use it politically, we're going to hear about every two to four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like it's an issue, and I'm not trying to make light of it for those that are having issues in this category. But I also feel like it's, a, it's an issue that's way overblown. What would you say? Um, I think there's some aspects of it. I think it's the way things are, 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 are positioned as well. This conversation about – what's the conversation about um, – systematic injustice or systematic right. racism right yeah. um what we have to talk about as catholics as catholics we have to address these things in the context of sin racism mm. is a sin mm-hmm. right we can't use the language of the world in um systematic racism systematic this you know we're talking about sin injustice and virtue and things like that so as catholics that's how we have to position things and sort of be contextualized and not sin sin can never be overblown right yeah and so that's how that's the, the direction that we have to focus as catholics before we say goodbye to our radio audience, uh, you, you, just, you put out a book on Freemasonry, but you have other books. Can you give us the, the, the real quick plug of your books? Oh, yeah. Um, so St. Dominic's Media is my publishing company. I'm the president of the company. So we put out a number of books. Um, a couple of books we put out this year or last couple of years are published by me. Was The Divine Symphony is a, um, a, a book about the, the theology of the Catholic Mass, all the liturgical rites. And also the um, Catholic Catechism on Freemasonry. So I'm writing a book coming up this year, another book on the liturgy, talking about. I'm looking at Peter and his 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 um his encounter with Jesus on the water as All a right. type of liturgy. We're gonna have to cut you off there, David. Check it out. DavidLGray.info is the website. Uh, don't go anywhere. We're gonna come right back and continue our conversation in a little more relaxed and casual way in the after show. Thank you, David L. Gray, for being on with us today. Project Veritas, Teresa Kamara, Emily, Janelle, Adrian Fonseca, David, and the team. Thanks for being a part of it today. Download our mobile app. It's brand new. You're gonna love it. Check your iOS or Android store today for the Guadalupe Radio Network. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to GRN Alive. From the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. For more faith, fun, and facts, join our email list. Just text the letters GRN to the number 42828. That's GRN to the number 42828. 
Hello, it's Todd Sluter, licensed professional counselor with Epiphany Counseling and longtime sponsor of GRN. I have been blessed to work with many individuals, couples, teens, and families in our diocese for the past eight years, incorporating counseling principles with authentic Catholic values. God wants you to have a greater sense of joy and purpose. If you or someone you know are struggling to find purpose, stuck moving forward with goals in life, or a relationship is not working, you may need to seek a counselor to help regain hope and healing. You may get in touch with me at 469-556-8336. Blessed be God. Blessed be His holy name. Blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be his most sacred heart. Blessed be his most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit of Paraclete. Blessed be the great Mother of God, Mary most holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be Saint Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. Amen. 